Welcome to this episode of Blazing Business Trails, the podcast for business services sector. I'm Sarah Paul, and as usual, I'm joined by Kalvinda Hari. The last 12 months have seen the rise of the great resignation. Employees are burnt out, stressed out and overworked. People are re-evaluating what they want from a job, and this has led to businesses struggling to find talent to fill their roles. So how can businesses prevent their own staff from leaving? How can technology and data help recruiters and candidates? How do we make the candidate experience better? We spoke to Ed Horrell, who's Salesforce's commercial account executive. And Graeme Hellwood, the Chief Operating Officer at BMS Performance. And if you don't know who BMS are, here's Graeme to explain more. BMS, a recruitment company focusing in the sales and marketing sector. I've been there for just shy of 30 years and seen a lot of things happen over those times. If you look back then over 30 years, uh, what, what, what stands out for you then as one of the biggest factors of change? When I first started, people didn't have mobile phones. We used to give people a roll of coins to call us after an interview from the nearest pay phone they could find. So mobile phone, absolutely huge difference. And then second big change was smartphones, digital transformation, job boards, electronic CVs rather than fax machines, and everything. The pace just transformed from taking weeks to taking days to taking minutes. So Ed, you've also been in the recruitment business as well. I don't know how long ago it was, but I know that, as Graham says, it has changed over time. But what have you seen, though, in the last 18 months? What have your customers told you about the recruitment landscape? It's been probably 13 or 14 years since I was a recruiter. Mm. I think what's different now is that everything is helped by technology. You know, what we're helping a lot of our customers with is eliminate a lot of the manual tasks that a recruiter has to do. And that enables them to place more candidates and make the recruitment company more money. Um, And that can only be a good thing because, you know, when I started in recruitment, you know, I was was a a lot younger and, um, you know, you're in your, it was one of my, you know, first proper jobs and uh, you've you've got a limited amount of time to make an impression and and pass your probation and, um, you know, because you're dealing with lots of, you know, manual tasks every day, you know, that is limiting. Whereas now with 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 new technologies, um, we can, you know, we're helping customers like BMS to um to help their staff ramp up more quickly and um set them up for success. Obviously this podcast is about war on talent. Graham, what are you seeing as as your biggest challenges right now as well and also over the last eighteen months? 18 months, that sort of start of COVID yes. timeframe yeah. where, you know, classic V-shape, suddenly no no opportunities, loads of candidates very worried about their future. Mm. Um, and then it changed, didn't it? So sort of end of last year, vaccines became a possibility. Companies started pushing the go button. And we're now in a place where lots of opportunities, not enough candidates to fill those opportunities. And that's creating uh, lots of knock-on issues. So great time to be a candidate in the marketplace, tough time to be a client. Yeah, so that's really interesting, Graham, because I would think it's completely the other way around because when we have roles, marketing roles, which I'm I'm in the marketing space, uh, when we have some roles available, we tend to have quite a lot of candidates applying, so completely opposite. So it's, that's really interesting. And it, it, is a, it is a challenge, isn't it? So Salesforce, great company, lovely presence, really strong employer brand, and the point you're making underlines probably a bigger topic. Companies with really good employer brands are not struggling in the same way that 
most companies are. So you're probably seeing a different tip of the iceberg maybe than the uh, more average client would. Right, okay. I think from a from a sales role perspective, though, it's very different. You know, I think we we really struggle to find talent because, you know, there's so many other companies like us hiring. Um, so the question then becomes, you know, how do you differentiate and how do you attract that talent? Um, and I think at BMS, you're, you're recruiting for, for a lot of sales roles, right, Graham? Because of the lack of hiring last year, we're now a year short of that supply of experienced salespeople. And therefore, anyone trying to get into the market now in terms of a client hiring a salesperson, you know, you're, you're one year down. So there's, there's that shortage, that coupled with the fact that so many companies are trying to grow and expand and grab those opportunities that are out there at the moment means, you know, war on talent. That, that's exactly where mm-hmm. we're at. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we've talked on previous podcasts, sir, about, you know, um, switching organisations and organisations that have value. So, Graham, those, those organisations that stick out with value like Salesforce um, are attracting, are attracting um, candidates better, right? Absolutely. Companies that have a, a rounded offering are more likely to secure talent than just companies who can put together the right salary package. And you mentioned um, rounded offering. What does that mean to you? Is that culture? Is it is it trust? Is it, you know, all those things? All those things and, and so much more, isn't it? They, people spend a third of their life at, with their employer. That's true. So, so they want everything out of it. They, they clearly want to be able to pay their mortgages, and they, um, but they also want to see their children at their nativity plays. They want to be able to learn and develop as individuals. They want new experiences. So there's so many things that goes just beyond um, hitting a sales quota. You touched a little bit earlier, Graham, about employers with better brands. So what, what, are, what are you saying to those employers that don't have a good brand? How are you, how are you helping them navigate the challenges of finding the right talent there are so many things that you can do that help you re-envisage the offering you have and silver linings um, over the last year this transition from uh, have to be at a desk presenteeism as a management style to working from home remote working agile work practices um, companies have made that transition thousands of them have and and as they start realizing the benefits of that that becomes part of their employer branded offering of what they can bring to a, a new recruit not just in a, an established recruit so it's you know it's a it's a fairly simple but good example of a transition everyone can make that's all well and good for those that are wanting to move organizations but there are still lots of people who are in employment who want to stay with their existing employer what are you seeing in terms of trends and focus from existing employers to retain staff and this is the sort of the, the the leaky buckets kind of concept isn't it there's no point trying to hire if you're losing people at the same rate sure absolutely so a- absolutely spot on and so many good initiatives we are we are seeing so internally we bought in a um, agile working practices we uh brought in a high achievers club to try and drive motivation we're doing a lot more work with our employee engagement trying to understand what people actually want from their their time at bms and it's exactly the same advice we would um, you know happily share externally as well communicate listen what do people actually want to achieve why might they be tempted uh, to look for a new opportunity and see which ones you can fix 
Graham, what do you think is the best way to engage with with candidates? Are companies pulling out all the stops to to draw in as much talent as possible now? Absolutely. Um, We've got two levels to this kind of question, haven't we? We, Mm. I think we've got one level, uh, be human, be authentic. People work with people. So uh, there's no point trying to hide behind a process or something like that. You've got to talk to someone and be very open and honest about what the role is, what the challenges are, what the upsides and downsides are. You know, be as open as you can. Getting someone on board is part of the battle. Obviously, keeping them will not work if you've not been open during the attraction stage. So we've got kind of that level of answer. And um, I think the second level of answer, there is so much technology out there to help with this process in, in different ways. So uh, you know, recruitment, as we talked about slightly earlier, has changed massively. Uh, databases, LinkedIn, uh, Salesforce, you know, I can name lots of other, other products, but this technology drives the opportunity to spend more of your time actually speaking to a candidate and less time organising events and organising interviews and sharing CVs, all these things that used to be painful. Mm-hmm. The pain should have gone by now. In Salesforce, let's talk Salesforce just very, very briefly. Obviously, we want to home on BMS performance. But yeah, what are your customers telling us? Well, I, I, we'll talk about Salesforce a little bit then um, initially. I think at the at the beginning of the pandemic, um, Salesforce made a, a huge effort to engage everybody because, you know, it was a scary time. Nobody knew what was going on. And we probably still don't know what's going on, but um, you know, just and there was there was a lot of simple things done, like uh, you know, a weekly call with 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 the with the executives in the state, so everybody felt safe, everybody was kept up to date on what was going on. Um, uh, everybody was given um, you know a stipend to fit out their their home office. Um, we were given lots of resources around wellness. Um, we brought in external people to give presentations on how to stay well while working from home. So the feeling I got was this company cares about me, um, and and so therefore I'm going to stay put. I'm going to I'm going to work really hard. And I think most people have the same feeling. Now, if you haven't been doing that, I think that's when you're kind of uh, you're you know a lot of people are probably saying to themselves at the end of all of this i am out of here because this hasn't been a nice environment you know if you've been in any way micromanaged or uh you know there's no trust you know trust is our number one value and i think that's the key thing i think what was what graham was referring to earlier is you know they're they're moving from a model of kind of presenteeism to to allowing people autonomy and giving them trust to do their job and i think that's that's where that's where businesses will thrive and see less attrition in terms of um, in terms of their um, in terms of their stuff. I just want to pick up on that presenteeism that you just talked about, Graham. I know there's a focus at BMS to move away from that. What what exactly are you guys doing? Um, yes, yeah, so um, scroll the clock back. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were based in offices, forty hours a week, sat at desks. You were in your team with your manager present they were uh, watching you work listening to you work uh, monitoring every kpi under the sun and you know the upside was you had a really vibrant energetic atmosphere um, obviously covid came along that wasn't an available option we all started working from home and technology helped us fill the gap so 
dashboards on Salesforce meant that we could still see uh, you know, how many calls people were making, how many interactions they were having, how many new opportunities they were finding, how many candidate interviews were being arranged. But the, ma- the micromanagement disappeared because you could just see. So therefore, then you're in a position to help where required as opposed to oversee everything. And, and again, another change that, that, that came through. So the number of people who wanted to be able to drop their children off at school, it's such a minor thing, in, in this but it's really important to people. And we suddenly noticed, well, okay, so they were disappearing from half an hour, but actually there was no lack of productivity when you actually measure it over any period of time because people wanted to make it a success and they were finding ways. So by putting the right tools in their hands and providing trust, um, people repaid that trust by recognizing it was a difficult time, recognizing they still had to work and hit targets because that's what salespeople have to do, but nevertheless doing it in a way that worked for them. And once as a company we understood and could see that happening, it was like, okay, take those breaks off and, and make the most of it. If that's if we can manage on output rather than input, lovely language, um, it just made such a difference. And it was um, a growth opportunity for us as a company, not only as individuals. That energetic atmosphere, that, that you know, being in a pool of people when you're winning business, that rah-rah culture, you can't recreate that in, in, in a bedroom environment at home. So, so what have you been doing to look at ways of remaining or driving that energy back into your salesforce love that question so uh, it is a huge challenge some technology does help zoom calls team calls so you can still seeing face to face you're still experiencing uh, what other people are doing we work much harder to share successes so whether that's on a weekly call in terms of what people have actually achieved um, updates via Salesforce dashboards, but we, we worked really hard to make sure everyone was aware of the real positives that were shining through and then more close support where, where that maybe wasn't quite such the case. But I, I agree, I'm, I want to be in an office. I don't want to be in an office five days a week, but I want to be in an office at least sometime. I think building that team and building that team culture still requires being together. I'm sure you're well aware that Salesforce is is looking at how can we have more flexible working arrangements um, for its employees globally. But is that something that you're considering going forward now? Yeah, so uh, Salesforce are adopting flexible working agreements, with which will kind of, I think they'll be set from the the team level down, where you know you agree as a team when you'll be in, when you'll be working from home. Um, I think it's it, it's an interesting one because some people. Um, you know, back to, I suppose, back to, um, you know, attracting a diverse talent pool, especially for sales roles. Some people prefer being at home and will sell better at home. Some people prefer being in the office and will sell better in the office buzz. So, I, Graham, have you have you got any thoughts on this and how, you know, flexing workable working agreements, working from anywhere can actually help you attract a more diverse talent pool, depending on what their preferences are around around working from home? Well, it's it's one of the challenges, isn't it? If you want to have a team of people who want to be together and then you have someone who wants to be at home, you know, you, you've, you've got a problem. I do think um, uh, the very nature of sales has changed and evolved, though. So if we're envisaging the rah-rah approach and 100 calls a day, and, you know, I think, I think that's moved on. 
Um, I think technology has helped it move on massively. We use lots of uh, component parts here, which help us make sure we're spending more of our time speaking to the right person at the right time of their recruitment journey, which means it's less calls, but more effective calls. And, and therefore then you'd argue we're in that more consultative place now, which lends itself more to uh, not requiring 10 people around a small table with each person geeing on the next person next to them. Yeah, that's, that's moved on a little bit, but that's us. You know, different companies will have different approaches. I, I want to go back to maybe the same. Once you understand your own culture as a company and what it takes to be successful, then you're hiring into that culture and there's no one size fits all. I think we we do need to um you know make a collective effort to change the perception of sales. It is not dialing the phone book anymore. Um you know it's 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 a consultative trusted advisor role. Um so I think we probably need to stop stop using the the word sales really and have a think about the terminology that we use within job specs and job titles to attract a more diverse talent pool because you know it 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 is just you know it's not that um that boiler room type mentality anymore graham you've talked a lot about di- um, technology what specifically which technologies are you specifically spending more time using now and which ones are you are you defocusing from uh, technologies that we're definitely moving strongly towards. So we use a data source um, called Cognizum that feeds directly into our Salesforce stack, which gives us the right name of the person within an organization and their contact details. Uh, it also has a um, behavioral monitoring built in. So if there's indicators that someone's more likely to be looking for a new job themselves or looking to hire, might be LinkedIn activity is a good example they get flagged up to the top of the list so therefore then rather than you know arriving on a on a day and think okay i'm going to call 100 people and i'll just start with the one beginning with the letter a um you're thinking okay who is most likely to be hiring at this moment in time in an area where we can actually help them and then that's your lead call and you sort of work downwards from from that perspective yeah and th- this is this is a point we should we should discuss, right? Because hiring is one thing. You've done all of that work, you know, um, hiring from a limited talent pool. You've got them on board. You want to keep them. So this is this is all about setting them up for success, right? It's putting putting the tools in their hands to be successful as quickly as possible, right? Uh, you know, absolutely. Ed. It's a um, uh, it's a really it's still a tough job. That's not going away, and. Um, People enjoy success. So if you have a new starter, ramp up speed is is really important, obviously from the company commercial perspective, but from the individual success. If they can have their first success within the first four to six weeks of joining a company, then they know they're going down the right route. They start, their own confidence starts building up in terms of what they're actually doing. And that feeds on itself in a very positive spiral. Yeah. And um, Ed, how do, how do you see technology developing to play an even greater role for for, for BMS uh, performance? BMS are forward thinking. They are, I would say, they're early adopters of, of technology. They've been a Salesforce customer since 2016, and have been increasing um, their you know their ecosystem, if you like, of, of of how they give everyone a single place to to manage both candidates and clients. 
Um, I think probably that you know, and it's a it's a it's an area of debate. Um, you know, is AI and and where that fits into the whole process. Um, so you know, using using Einstein to look at the data within their ecosystem and make recommendations off the back of it and give them insights that they don't really know about. But you will never in recruitment, I don't believe, take away that human touch, which is which is increasingly important. So I think it's about finding that balance between the, you know, yes, there will always be manual effort. There needs to be a human touch, but how can you use the technology to take away um, some of the, the really painful manual bits that don't really add too much value? Um, Graham, what are your thoughts? It's absolutely spot on about the, uh, the, the technology human mix up. I think technology is at its best when you almost don't notice it and when it empowers the user to spend more of their time doing the bit that they will be the best at, which is building those relationships, building those connections, because recruitment is about introducing people to people. It should be empowering the the people to do the people skills bit that build those connections. If you can get uh, introduced to people where there's a good overlap and culture and what they're trying to achieve then that's going to lead you to successful recruitment 100 percent. and i think some of the things that you're doing graham around the you know especially on the 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 candidate side is automating a lot of the communication along the along the way so if somebody has been selected for an interview making sure that you've got automated content going out wishing them luck and and a whole list of tips for the interview then once they've got the job you know, your job at BMS is to make them successful in the first 90 days. So again, automating some of that nice content mixed with phone calls from a human being to ensure that they are, they're successful as a placement, which keeps the candidate happy, keeps your client happy. Um, And then also, you know, if the the candidate's happy, the dream is they turn into a client for BMS. So everyone's a winner. Graham, what's your aftertouch uh, experience once you've placed a candidate? Could you maybe just explain what your recruiters do once someone's been placed with an organisation and what that follow-up looks like? We call it a placement nurturing campaign, to give it its name. It's delivered by Pardot, the market automation piece we purchased from Salesforce. And it has a series of touch points with both the hiring manager and the candidate um, over the first six months, actually, rather than 90 days, Ed, to uh, be mm. specific on on that point, in the early days, it's all about you know, did the candidate get all the equipment they needed? Did they manage to log on correctly? Did the role meet their requirements? Is the communication channels open right. correctly wow. between the hiring manager and the, and the candidate? It's all that kind of good stuff, and then it, and then it it moves on in terms of okay, is it developing yeah. in the right direction? Are you settling? What more could the client do for you? And it's all about trying to embed the candidate into the company and from the reverse of course get the company to understand what the candidate actually was hoping to achieve and making sure they are hitting those goals in those first few months as a as a hiring manager i think you know there's that fine balance between hitting a diversity quota quote unquote and also the right talent for the right job right you know we're looking at everything have you seen a bigger focus in the last 12 months 18 months around diversity and, and and clients coming to you asking for you to open up your selection criteria a little bit more broader it's a great question and it's a really difficult uh, topic the nothing raises hackles quicker it seems to me than people talking about diversity quotas um 
it sort of always seems to get the wrong reaction. I I think um, the more positive conversation always seems to be more down. Okay, I want the best person, and I want to make sure we're not excluding anybody who could deliver that experience to us. And therefore, then the challenge becomes: okay, how do you make a role that has a classic reputation attractive to a new talent pool? And to give you really, I think a. a good example there's lots of uh, research being done into linguistics recently about the words like competitive and target driven uh, are actually quite male dominated words and are more attractive to one half of the population so there's this sort of work going on about how you can make your adverts um, more uh, gender attractive across the the, uh, the range. Just sorry, Graham. Just on that point, are, are they also looking at culturally neutralising those adverts as well? Gender is one thing, but culture and class is something completely different, right? The answer is yes, um, but the research that I've that I've read, which is um, built into Broadbean service now, um, Broadbean is a multi-posting tool. And every time you upload an advert, they have a software tool that does an analysis of the advert and gives you feedback in terms of uh, how, which gender the advert's more likely to be attractive to. I think there's also a wider push going on to a, a improved diversity. And this is by changing the way interviews are structured and approached. And it's another sort of technology element coming in here. Um, Stereotypically, people hire people that they like, and that's a very short step from hiring people who are like you. So to try and change that, you know, um, using competency-based questions in interviews, using uh, some kind of software tool for psychometric testing, you know, it's actually trying to stretch that brief out to remove often, um, uh, you know, that almost unknown prejudice that people bring to an interview scenario you know having a having a diverse workforce helps from a from a sales perspective i think because if you have a mono culture you will have a mono customer because you know graham and i get on well um i'd, I'd like to think uh but <laughs> correct <laughs> but you know graham might not get on with one of my peers and so it's very important to have have a diverse workforce so that you can develop you know those deeper customer relationships um and also you know of course innovation and just build build a better company for for everybody because the more diverse your workforce is the more diverse your ecosystem and your customer base is going to be for me that the key takeaways that i we picked up from the conversation with both graham and edis one that sales teams are moving away from hard kpis and they're no longer, you know, Graham said they were no longer measuring their people by the number of calls that they're making, which I think in today's climate is very relevant. And secondly, that they've also noticed that having made that shift away from those strong KPIs, they've not seen a drop in productivity. So they're allowing their people to be a bit more flexible. So, you know, just changing the parameters a little bit, giving people back some flexibility um, hasn't degraded uh, their performance or their uh, outputs. Exactly. And I mean, war on talent uh, when it comes to retaining uh, talent and reskilling as well is, is, is key for all businesses, not just for business services. So I think this is, has been an episode for everyone.
And that's it for this week's Blazing Business Trails. Check out our past episodes for insider views on everything to do with business services. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening.